What is up, my son? Let's summarize my Andronaut UL for energy males. Let's talk about Osterine Isari. How about Osterine for a natural guy versus TRT or other steroids? Is Osterine harmful? Can it be suppressive? Let's dive into all of this. Let's go. All right, so this is the article I wrote about Osterine. Link will be in the description if you want to check it out, read more in detail stuffish. All right, so what we're going to discuss is the basics, the benefits, the side effects, the suppression risk, why clomid and enclomiphene helps to prevent, or, or will it help to prevent the suppression, natural BCT, and how long to BCT. All right, so the basics are that Osterine is basically a SARM. It modulates the androgen receptor similar to other androgens like testosterone and DHT, but without the quote-unquote side effects that people would usually get like hair loss, prostate size, semen production leading to acne, deepening of the voice, or suppression. So this is why they're trying to create this, give the same benefits without the same side effects, right? And they do have anabolic effects and they do enhance performance. This is why they were banned for sport use back in 2008. And so Osterine has a half-life of about 24 hours, and then even one microgram will still be detected in the urine after nine days. Very long. So you basically can take Osterine once a day, um, as it will stay in your system that long. And this is also why people like to use a SARM, is because you can take it orally, you don't have to inject it, right? All right, so how SARMs work, there's two hypotheses and how it binds to the receptors. I'm not going to go into it here because it's a little bit complex. And um, here's some unknown benefits of Osterine. And I just want to mention this because this puts good emphasis on many other compounds out there as well. So Osterine might help with antibiotic resistance. It likely doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier, which supposedly is why it doesn't cause the suppression. And it also modulates the following receptor. So it's a bunch of receptors and other systems that it also modulates. Lots of gobbledygook right here. But I just want to put on the emphasis that Osterine was created to act primarily on the androgen receptors. And despite that selectivity, it still has a vast amount of other effects as well. And this is the same thing with many other drugs. The other example would be if you're using finasteride, right? people say like, oh, it has, it only blocks 5-alpha reductase. It does nothing else. But like many other compounds, it will have many other effects as well that hasn't been found, hasn't been studied because no one's looking for them. Like, hey, it inhibits 5-alpha reductase. We don't need to look at any other mechanism at how it works. And I think that's a big reason why people continue to have side effects because they only focus on, oh, it inhibits 5-alpha reductase, right? So the point is like it has many other effects than just binding to the androgen receptor. So here are some of the benefits of Osterine. At doses of 1 to 3 milligrams a day, it increases muscle mass and muscle function in the elderly. So very low dose, 1 to 3 milligrams. And um, it causes a 41% reduction in insulin resistance at 3 milligrams, quite impressive. And it doesn't influence LH, sebum, hair follicles, or PSA at 1 or 3 milligrams. And it's anabolic to bone and can help to prevent osteoporosis. So in the doses that you use clinically, like 1 to 3 milligrams, it seems to have only positives, no side effects. So it's kind of like the same thing when people use like Anabar for, you know, clinical purposes, people that's been burned, they have a very high metabolic rate, they need to use a compound that's anti-catabolic. They use like 5 to 10, 15 milligrams at most. And then bodybuilders always abuse it in much higher doses. So it's kind of like the same thing with Osterine. The clinical dose is like 1 to 3 milligrams, but when you use it, it's at least 25 milligrams or higher. So side effects of SARMs, 
there are side effects, right? So um, mostly related to liver and stuff. So case report one, previous healthy man in his early 40s presented with onset jaundice, anorexia, weight loss fatigue, and diarrhea. He was taking Octarine for weight training and weight gain for two months before going to the ER. Although he only had very little uh, liver damage, his symptoms was due to drug-induced cholestatic liver injury, meaning the body was unable to secrete the bile acids, causing the backup of the bile. So your body called detox, and that can cause liver damage. So even having very little liver damage, he was getting a lot of side effects. A case report two. So a 43-year-old male sport sports coach presented himself to the emergency unit. Um, he had epigastric as a there. Epigastric pain, myalgia pain, and a severe headache. He used a combination of osterine with cardenine, which caused severe liver issues. He had very elevated liver enzymes, ALT up to 922, AST up to 2000, almost 600. He had massive rhabdomyolysis and elevated creatine phosphokinase up to like 86K. He recovered completely in six weeks. You can expect uh, that he didn't retain any of his gains, right? And um, so, yeah, these compounds aren't uh, side effect free. Most, there's no such thing as a free lunch, you know. That's the point. So what about the suppression? This is one of the reasons why people consider using SARMs in the first place, because they hope it will not be as suppressive as, you know, anabolics and stuff like that. One of the reasons why Osterine was designed in the first place was it can help to prevent uh, suppression. So at one or three milligrams a day, Osterine doesn't lower your LH. Um, although higher doses can, but it's not been officially studied. So here are a few anecdotes from Reddit. I started with 15 milligrams and then went up to 25 milligrams over eight week cycle. I felt quite suppressed by the end, but my LH were fine. So I didn't PCT and recovered naturally. So even with LH not being suppressed at that dose, you can still feel suppressed and have like low um, you know, hypogonadal symptoms. So this guy said it was definitely suppressive and it took his blood, like his testosterone from 800 down to like between 100 to 300 nanograms per deciliter. So he had like a massive drop. Um, then this guy, he also ran Osterine, uh, 15 milligrams. My test dropped from 860 to 360. Uh, another guy did 15 milligrams for weeks. I was suppressed from week six and onward. I did eight week cycle, so noticeable bull shrinkage. There's another guy, he ran Osterine at 20 milligrams for eight weeks and he wasn't suppressed at the slightest. So again, not everyone's kind of the same. This guy run a nine-week cycle. His testosterone was, he went from the 500s down to the 80s, down to like 80. It was very, very low with significant LH suppression. So some people don't get LH suppression and some people don't get suppression at all. You know, this guy, some people do get massive suppression. It's all up to the individual, it would seem. So this guy took a very low dose, low dose, I would say, like compared to the other people, 12.5 milligrams. And he was doing a mini bulk. So he was definitely eating enough calories, not rubbing. And his testosterone went from almost 500 to 326. All right. So before starting the cycle, his testosterone was 200, uh, 580. And it dropped down to basically 80 on 12, uh, 20 milligrams for 12 weeks. So Osterine is definitely suppressive. Not everyone responds the same. Some people get no suppression. Other people will get suppression. And uh, as I mentioned, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And chances are you might get suppressed. So always expect the worst. So here's some symptoms that you can look out for if you're not going to do any blood test. 
So one of the speculations is that osterine inhibits testicular testosterone production independent of LH. But anyway, suppression symptoms include you feeling tired, lethargic, low sex drive, low motivation, low mood, and depression. So although like osterine and underine are the least suppressive drugs, whereas YK11 and S23 are the most suppressive, right? So um, even though they're the least suppressive, they still can be su suppressive, even in doses as low as 12.5 milligrams. And other people use up to 25 milligrams and get no suppression. So again, it's really up to the individual. Um, then other SARMs that are not suppressive is um, they're basically wrongly categorized as SARMs because they're not like selective antigen modulators. There's MK677, it's a growth hormone, secretagogue, cardenine, and stenabolic. They are non-hormonal and they're non-suppressive. So they're not really SARMs, they're miscategorized. All right, so next is, will Clomid or Enclomophene help to prevent the suppression from SARMs? Right, so the chances are no, because um, SARMs bind to the antigen receptor and doesn't convert to estrogen. So the way these um, SARMs work, Enclomophene, is they bind to the estrogen receptor. Right, so when you have too much estrogen, it lowers LH. So you block the estrogen receptors, you get that spike in LH. But SARMs, they don't convert to estrogen, they don't bind to the estrogen receptor, and so they don't suppress LH that way. They suppress LH by binding to the androgen receptor. So by blocking the estrogen receptor, they will not prevent the suppression. Right? The one thing that will work is HEG because it directly stimulates the testes to produce testosterone. So as a natural uh, PCT, so if you don't want to use like enclomophene, um, which is quite safe. I like enclomophene in general. I have an article on it. I will link it in this article as well and some uh, links here where you can buy the enclomophene. Legally, not from like steroid vendors. So natural PCT is, um, it will obviously, natural PCT will not be as potent as using like a drug, the PCT. But Damiana, aspartic acid, and longdanzingantang, uh, so longdanzingantang is a natural alternative to clomid. So Damiana inhibit aromatase, aspartic acid stimulates LH release, but thing with uh, aspartic acid, use it only for two weeks, four weeks max, and then you're gonna like, have to stop. Longdanzingantang works the same as clomid, it blocks the estrogen receptor in the pituitary. So if you want to use all three together, this should give you a very nice spike in LH and help with recovery. And then how long to PCT? So the standard duration is to do a PCT for three to four weeks. But osterine is out of your system in uh, seven to ten days, which means that you will no longer be suppressed. So you literally don't have to use a PCT for longer than two weeks. Maybe you can do it for two weeks, maybe you don't even have to PCT. Um, if you're not really that suppressed, but yeah, you only have to PCD for basically two weeks. And this is the summary. So in summary, there is no such thing as a free lunch. These compounds can also be suppressive. If you want to build some serious muscle, like skip the SARMs, just get the real anabolic stuff. All of these things will be suppressive. Anabolics will be maybe more suppressive, but it will at least give you better gains than a SARM will give you. So if you want to combine SARMs with anabolics, that's also fine. The point is that a lot of people want to use these SARMs as a way to bypass the suppression, to bypass the side effects that you would get from, you know, let's just testosterone. But I just, if you were to use something like that, I just prefer you use testosterone because testosterone is already found in the body. So it's like a natural compound. For these SARMs, it's like a synthetic modified compound. We don't know all of the actions that it will have, especially in the higher dose people use it for, for anabolism. All right, guys, I hope this video was helpful and I will check you in the next one. Cheers.